Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of The Shoe with Shukri Writes on Pacifica Radio Network. Wherever you may be listening, however you may be listening, thank you for making this show part of your routine. Always appreciate it. And to all of the Muslims listening nationwide and in Canada and whatever Pacifica Radio Network affiliate, Ramadan Mubarak. And this is the first week that I've done the show during this blessed holy month of Ramadan. So I wanted to make sure that... I gave the proper salutations to all the Muslims observing this blessed month of Ramadan. And there's a lot going on right now. Ramadan is in full effect. Sports is on fire right now. But I'm going to tell you one thing. There's a team in New York right now that's not on fire. And I'm going to start the show talking about the Yankees. Because there is something to say about New York. New York, we have seen time and time again. Go absolutely berserk when the Yankees are not doing well. That's part of the price that you pay when you are playing in a major market like New York. When you play for such a legendary franchise like the New York Yankees. The expectation is that you win, that you always win. That's always been the expectation. Even going back to the days of when George Steinbrenner, the late owner, was alive. For some reason, in the 2021 season, the Yankees have gone up to a 5-10 and 10 start. And I got the sense that Yankee fans, they're not happy. The team itself, not happy. Here's my personal feelings on the situation with the New York Yankees. The Yankees, when you look at the team and you look at the players that they have, position players in particular, DJ Namehu, Giancarlo Stanton. Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, Gleyber Torres. I mean, you'd think that this team would be much, much better than what they are now. But here's the truth. The Yankees have played in every other way but better. Five and two. And they are coming off a poor series against the Tampa Bay Rays in which they couldn't even get a win with their ace Garrett Cole on the bump in the finale. And there's no other way to put it. The way that the Yankees have started the 2021 season has been absolutely poor. It's been poor at best. And frankly, the Yankees right now, they're playing like a team that has no type of confidence whatsoever. They don't have any type of confidence. I don't see it in their body language. I don't see it in their bats. In fact, here's a stat that I that I read in a column on Yahoo Sports that was absolutely just maddening, maddening to read. The Yankees are currently 25th in Major League Baseball with 7.14 hits per game. And as you expect, the 3.79 runs per game is also 24th in the league. Like, they're not hitting. They can't buy a hit if even if you tried. And the part that makes it absolutely maddening is, is that for a team, and in particular, LeMayho, LeMayho's always been a guy who has excelled with hitting with runners to scoring position. That's a fact. But the other members of the team, Judge, Stanton, in particular, Aaron Hicks, they have not looked good at all. And 
the thing that has me infuriated, even as I talk about this team right now, is this team has had a problem for a few years now, in particular when it comes to putting the ball in play. With the exception of LeMahieu, and DJ LeMahieu is a machine when it comes to RBIs and executing with runners in scoring position. Ever since he's joined the Yankees, he's been among the best, if not the near the very top, in Major League Baseball when hitting with, with runners in scoring position. But outside of LeMahieu, guys like Judge, Stanton, Hicks, Torres, they hit, they absolutely strike out too much. I have said this since last fall. I have been very vocal about the Yankees and their offensive approach. They need to do a better job as a collective unit, not just one guy, putting the ball in play. Hitting with runners in scoring position with less than two out. Two out hitting. Two strike hitting. They need to be better at that. And the part that has me even more disgusted is it just feels like this team is lacking heart right now. They're lacking the absolute heart to go out there and to play like the team that they absolutely can. I don't get it. I don't get why exactly the Yankees have struggled this badly through the first 15 games. Can anybody explain that to me honestly? I don't know if anybody can. So... The question that I pose to the New York Yankees is this, and this I'm addressing the Yankees right now because I want to get to the fans in just a little bit. To the New York Yankees, how do you turn this start around? Where do you even start? Okay, offensively, cool. But here's the thing. What about the pitching? Garrett Cole has set the new Yankee record for the most strikeouts by a Yankee starter for the, through the first four starts of a season breaking the record that was previously held by Masahiro Tanaka. That's great. Wonderful. But here is just one thing in particular. Just one thing. What about the other guys in the rotation? Domingo Herman? Oh, that's right. He was sent down to the alternate site. Who knows what his future may hold at this point. Uh, Jordan Montgomery. Hmm. Jordan Montgomery is a guy who I think his stuff has gotten a lot better. It's gotten better through his starts, but the reality is this. Jordan Montgomery is a guy that, in a way, you could say he's he's a work in progress. He is one and one with a 4.24 ERA. And then here's the thing. I know this is a guy who has been working his way back from Tommy John amongst and amongst other ailments that he's gone through in his career. But can we be honest about something for a moment? Let's be honest about the fact that Montgomery, up until this point, has not been the number two pitcher that the Yankees have needed. I've always viewed him as a guy who is best a number three or a number four starter. But here's the part that should worry you if you're a Yankee fan. Behind Garrett Cole, who in a rotation right, right now do you look at and you say, I trust him to be a solid number two behind Garrett Cole. I don't know if you have that guy right now on this roster. I don't I don't see it. And then the part that should concern you is that the bullpen 
for the Yankees, it hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been impressive and as dominant as I'd hope. Because there have been moments where this bullpen has failed him. Corey Kluber. And maybe I'm being a little too hard on the guy. But Corey Kluber, in my honest opinion, I don't see him as a guy who who, who should be in a number two role right now. Three games started. Got a 6.10 ERA. He hasn't gotten the job done. So the question that I would have and the concern that I would have is, who's your number two guy? Or Corey Kluber. No, he's not that guy right now. He hasn't pitched like it. Let's be honest about something. Is it going to turn around? I don't think so. What you're seeing right now is what Corey Kluber is. The Yankees got him in hopes that he would be that Cy Young Award winner that he was with the Cleveland Indians. But the reality is that he is older. He has gone through injuries. I don't think he's going to be that same guy. Am I giving up on this team? No. But let's be honest about something here. The pitching, the pitching rotation, it worries me. Jamison Talian. Like, the, the dude was brought here as a promising right-hander. And I think that this, this guy has an opportunity to be an impact pitcher. But through the first two starts, he hasn't been impressive. He's only one with a 7.56 ERA. And neither Kluber or Talian has given you innings. That's the other part. Outside of Cole, you're not getting a whole lot of innings out of your rotation. And that's the part that makes this thing even more worrisome. Where's their length? You're not getting that. You're not getting that at all. Garrett Cole, on the other hand, he's the only guy in this rotation right now that you look at and you can say that this guy has pitched 24.2 innings and he's giving you he's giving you length. And in those four starts in the in the 24.2 innings that he's pitched, he's giving you at least six innings. And in today's game, that's a blessing. But the other starters, they haven't done that. So I look at the Yankees right now and I say, the talent is there. But the problem that I have is that Garrett Cole can't win the World Series by himself. The pitching rotation can't win a pennant by itself. It needs to give length. Because the worst thing that you want to do is tire out your bullpen, especially when you're still in the first month of the season. That's the last thing that you want to do. Now, as for the fans, how despicable can you honestly be? Throwing stuff onto the field? Come on. Are you kidding me? If you're frustrated with the New York Yankees right now, fine. I get it. I'm frustrated with you too. But throwing trash onto the field at Yankee Stadium, that's not the way to go. Sorry, but that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to go. And then the worst part about it is that the so-called fans... You're not real fans. You're not real fans of the team. You're not real fans of the sport. Sorry. Your frustration does not give you the right to throw trash in the field. That's trash-like behavior. Like, are you kidding me? 
And the part that has me mad and disappointed in the Yankee fans who were doing this is that, really? You're going to jump ship after, what, 15 games? A 5-15 and 15 start? Come on. Are you kidding me? Like, can we be honest with ourselves for a moment? How many times have we seen over the last 16 years, going back to 2005, that the Yankees have never started well? Rarely, and I mean rarely, they have started well in April. This team is notorious for getting off to slow starts in April. Like, are we supposed to be upset? Sure, we're passionate. I get that. I love the Yankees just as much as anyone else out there in the country. But the problem is that when you start turning and throwing trash and I'm just onto the field at Yankee Stadium or anywhere else for that fact of the matter, no, that doesn't make you look good. That gives you a bad name and a bad rep. Come on, be better than that. Be better than that. You're better than that. I know this fan base is way better than that. But hey, unfortunately, we tend to let our passion get in the be- get in the way of having sound and clear judgment. Am I excusing what they did? Absolutely not. Not even by a long shot. It's disgraceful and despicable. And those aren't real Yankee fans who did that. Well, I'm a season ticket holder. How dare you tell me that I'm not a real Yankee fan? A real fan does not turn to throwing trash on the field, especially when the team is performing like trash. That's not what you do. What you do is, yeah, you boo. Boo loud. Yell loudly. Scream. You name it. But you don't throw trash. That's just disappointing. Like, how do, you, how do you honestly live with that? How do you think the players feel? And in, your, and in your mind, you're probably thinking, well, these players make millions of dollars. Why should I care about their feelings? Why should I care about what they're dealing with on the field right now? I mean, darn, this is a frustrating start. I get it. I genuinely fully understand but this, this is unacceptable. And I'm, I'm really genuinely frustrated and, and disappointed in Yankee fans for, for exhibiting this type of behavior. I really am. Coming up next, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the NHL trade deadline and why one team in particular is looking like they are benefiting greatly from the NHL trade deadline. That and much more coming up next right here on The Shoe with Shukri Writes on Pacifica Radio Network. John, we can't keep putting this off. Okay, I'll clean the gutters. I'm talking about your dad. Well, what can we do? He wants to stay in his house. We can make his house safer. Yeah, I worry about the steps. Perfect world, there are no steps, but he does have steps. And that banister only goes halfway up. And all those little throw rugs are falls waiting to happen. So what about his prescription meds? If he forgets and takes them twice, he could get really dizzy. Right. We could get him one of those daily pill counters. And he should have some sturdy hand grips in the bathroom and shower. This is all easy to do. You know he's a proud guy. He's not going to take all our fussing lying down. 
That's the idea. For older people, falling and breaking a hip can be devastating. For more tips on making homes safer, visit orthoinfo.org slash falls. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the Orthopedic Trauma Association. Now please, clean the gutters. Just be careful on the ladder. This is the sound of a brand new outdoor grill being hurled off a 20-story building. Now a stylish glass coffee table. An electric guitar. These are the things you could enjoy all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Visit energysavers.gov and get tips on how to save energy and money. Then do things like switch to Energy Star light bulbs or Energy Star appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. So this doesn't happen to the recliner you've had your eye on. Or this to the treadmill on your wish list. Or this to the shiny new bike your kid's been asking for. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. I spend a lot of time in the backyard. And I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores you've ever had. In 01, we stayed up all night telling ghost stories with the neighbors. Yeah, I know I've got a bit of wear and tear. And sadly, in 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit, that accidentally started a wildfire. When a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Sparks from an improperly extinguished fire pit can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Wash surfaces, utensils, and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food, especially when handling raw meats or eggs. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show with Sugar Rights of Pacifica Radio Network. Thank you for all of you who've made time to tune into the program wherever you are, however you may be listening, whether you're listening via the Pacifica Radio Network affiliates or on demand as a podcast on iHeartRadio as part of the Shukri Rights Podcast. Sincerely appreciate it as always. And I just want to remind all of you that you can listen to every edition of the show with Shukri Rights with Pacifica Radio Network on demand as podcast as part of the Shukri Rights Podcast on iHeartRadio. Let me know what you think of the show on social media. Hit me up on Twitter 
at Shukri Wright. That's at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. Hit me up on Instagram at SWritesRadio underscore. That's at S-W-R-I-G-H-T-S-R-A-D-I-O underscore. Hit me up on there. Let me know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with me, upset with me, or flat out can't stand me. Either or. Just let me know. Let me know what your thoughts are. Always appreciate it. Now, NHL trade deadline. That came and passed. That was a week ago. And here we are now. Teams were looking to make moves and to make improvements to the roster. And for one team in particular, it was especially important to make moves that was going to help the team moving forward. And I think it's imperative that depending on where you are and what team that you may follow or root for, that you take stock into how the team did at the trade deadline. Because not every team, obviously, is in contention. You know Detroit, they're not contending for a playoff spot this year. That you know. You know that bottom feeders like Ottawa, they're not building for a playoff contender this year. So that you already know. And I'm not playing the role of of the Grim Reaper of fan bases across the NHL, but let's just be real. But teams that do have a realistic chance of competing for a Stanley Cup like the Boston Bruins, for example, they knew that they had to go out and make moves. And when I tell you that general manager Don Tweeney did not disappoint, I'm telling you, he did not disappoint at all. So what did Don Tweeney do? So on trade deadline day, he went out and he acquired Mike Riley, formerly of the Ottawa Senators, He acquired Taylor Hall from the Buffalo Sabres. And he also acquired Curtis Lazar. He acquired Curtis Lazar also from the Buffalo Sabres as well. And I will be the first to tell you that if you talk about a guy who absolutely could add energy and grit to the Boston Bruins... Lazar is that guy. And to be frank with you, I really liked the moves that Don Smee made at the trade deadline for a variety of reasons. Let me start with the first reason. This team is motivated. What I've seen from the Boston Bruins this season has never been a question of motivation. It was never a question of effort. I've always believed that the biggest issues with the Boston Bruins was health and I was right health had been an issue for the Boston Bruins throughout the season Charlie McAvoy can't stay healthy Brandon Carlo can't stay healthy Matt Grizzlick at times has struggled to stay healthy so it's never been a matter of effort it's been a matter of health and getting help from on that second line and the secondary scoring for the Boston Bruins and I will admit that There have been times watching Charlie Coyle where it has been absolutely maddening to watch. Like, where has this guy gone? There are too many nights that I can recall and wish that I tune into a Bruins game and the guy is out there, but yet he's invisible. Like, the man has size. He's 6'3", 
or taller and 220 plus pounds. It's like this this is a guy that has size and has the speed and the skill to be a pretty good winger or even a centerman if at that. But he hasn't shown that this season for whatever reason. I don't know, and I don't get it. For a guy of his caliber, of his size and his capabilities, it's frustrating as heck to watch and see him out there, and he's invaluable. He's, he's not even making any type of impact offensively. Defensively, eh. I mean, we could really use his defense, but the truth is, is that the truth is, is that you talk about a team that absolutely needs Charlie Coyle to get going. Because let's face it, part of the reason why that the Bruins made their run to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2019 was because of the play of Marcus Johansson and Charlie Coyle. Troy Coyle hasn't been that guy at all for the Boston Bruins this season. And and I think that's a big reason why the Bruins went out and they added guys like, like Curtis Lazar in particular because you got next to nothing out of Charlie Coyle. And Mike Riley, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Tory Krug, but what you've gotten from Mike Riley so far is a guy who brings mobility on the back end similar to what the Tory Krug was able to do when he was a Boston Bruin before he left to go sign with the St. Louis Blues and free agency. Now, I look at the Boston Bruins and I look at the team moving past the trade deadline. How has this team looked? And the difference has been quite noticeable. Taylor Hall is playing as if that he wants to be in Boston long term. And I think that's really powerful saying something in which I listened and watched his press conference. And I remember him saying something along the lines of Boston is a city in which I've always loved and respected, even going back to the year that he was drafted by Edmonton in the 2010 NHL draft. Because remember, Edmonton had the number one overall pick, the Bruins had the number two overall pick. And Taylor Hall had made it public that he was hoping to be drafted by the Boston Bruins. But we all know how it all worked out. Taylor Hall got drafted by Edmonton. Tyler Sagan got drafted by the Boston Bruins in 2010. And, and by the way, Tyler Sagan was huge in the Eastern Conference Finals against Tampa Bay, especially in games one and two. He was huge offensively. But going back to what I was saying, you look at the Bruins and you see that the energy and the difference has been, it's been different. You could say and you can make an argument that perhaps what they have done at the trade deadline has been nothing short of amazing and and an absolute boost for a team that really needed it. Because going into the trade deadline, you could really see with the Bruins that they were frustrated. They were tired. They were not getting secondary scoring. They were not playing with any sort of energy whatsoever. Like, this was a team that I wouldn't say that they were in disarray, but rather you could see the frustration creep in and how they were playing. But the one man that has been responsible for the resurgence of the Boston Bruins is Jeremy Swayman. He wasn't a, a trade deadline acquisition, 
But this guy, this guy is showing me something that I, that makes me really genuinely excited. I mean, how do you not like Swimming as a goaltending prospect right now for the Boston Bruins? Based on what you've seen in his first, what, five games at the NHL? How do you not feel excited? There's a difference in how he carries himself and how he approaches and approaches every question and that's asked by the media. Like, you could see it. You could feel that. And I felt that 100%. And I thought that was really such a great thing for the Boston Bruins because you've seen at times with Tuka Rask where he may seem like he doesn't care, he's not invested, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen and heard the criticism of Tuka over the years. That's a fact. But with Swayman, you could tell he wants it. He's invested. He wants the opportunity badly and for that you can't be mad at it if anything this has given the Bruins a new sense of energy when he's out there starting it's noticeable Tuca has missed a lot of time this season due to injuries will the rest help him come playoff time there's a pretty good chance that it could but I think the number one thing that I do wonder about the Boston Bruins moving forward is how much of a fighting chance do they have to win the Stanley Cup this season? And I think guys like Taylor Hall are going to be extremely important coming down the stretch for the Boston Bruins. Think about this for a moment. Taylor Hall on the second line on his left on the left wing side playing alongside David Krejci. It has been absolutely a thing of beauty to watch. The chemistry. And you see that Krejci is playing with a different level of confidence that he hasn't been playing with in quite some time. Because he's got a legitimate left winger. I don't think he was playing that confidently when when Jake DeBrusque was on the left wing side of Krejci's line. He wasn't. But with Taylor Hall, you know what he's capable of. The offensive talent and the gifts that he possesses. You could see that Krejci is happy and he's willing and he's able to to make moves and deals and and steals and, you know, all that fun stuff. But you talk about what Taylor Hall's addition to the Bruins lineup has meant offensively for the Boston Bruins. It has now, in my opinion, given the Bruins a legitimate top six in the East that makes him extremely dangerous, like, you you now you got the perfection line. You got Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak. You got Krejci. Now you got Taylor Hall. And on the right wing side, heck, you could even add a a Craig Smith to the right wing side of David Krejci. But you got a legitimate top six now. And for Boston Bruin fans, this is a team that is absolutely playing with a different level of confidence and energy. And I think that this is going to bode well for this team come the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's hard to believe the Stanley Cup playoffs are now less than a month away. And this is now the time that teams are making a push for playoff positioning to see where they're at as a team. Can they make that push? And for those that are like teetering like on the outside looking in, in the playoff picture, this is the time where they're like, okay, now we need to make a push. We got to push forward and we got to see where our game is in order 
to get better and to get hot down the stretch and maybe make the playoffs. And I think that the Boston Bruins are at that point where they're saying, hey, Don Sweeney's made the moves. Now it's up to us. Like, how bad do we want it? Curtis Lazar, he's going to be really important, especially as a third or fourth line guy. Mike Riley, he's going to be very important on the on the back end, on the blue line, especially if guys like Carlo and McAvoy and Grizzly can't stay healthy, which they have shown at times they have not been able to stay healthy. And also to keep in mind the health of Jared Tenorti, who was injured in Sunday's game against the Washington Capitals that was played on Sunday, April 18th. I mean, according to the latest reports, Tenorti is doing much better the day after that nasty boarding that was um, that was received from Garner Hathaway from the Washington Capitals. So, for the Boston Bruins, this is now the recipe that has been brought forth. Now you have the pot. How are you going to cook those recipes in order to bring and create a masterpiece? And that masterpiece is the Stanley Cup. No question in my mind about that. But Don Sweeney said something that I think this was important for the leadership group to hear and as well as Bruin fans to hear in particular. He said, quote, obviously you're trying to put the pieces to the puzzle together, but our group, they want to compete. You know this leadership core. And we're trying to incorporate the next guys that want that mantle as well and trying to reward them with the investment that they put forth. Like this this isn't just only about this season. This is about the next couple of years because, let's face it, the Bruins, they have some major question marks this upcoming offseason. Tuka Rask, do they re-sign him? David Krejci, do they re-sign him as well? His contract is up after this season, at the conclusion of the 2020-2021 season, whenever that may be. That's the major question. So I think the cup window is not only closing, but for this core group, that core group, may or may not be around much longer because after all, we already saw major pieces leave already last offseason with Sedano Chara and Tori Krug. So now Krejci and as well as Tukarask being um, being potential free agents at the end of the season, that's huge. And that creates that urgency that, hey, we are running out of time. We got to win another Stanley Cup. We let one slip through our hands two years ago, losing Game 7 of the Cup Final at home. But now, the belief is they know they have a team that's good enough to compete for a Cup, not just make the playoffs, but actually compete to win the Stanley Cup. And that is something that I'm I'm most interested in seeing how this new-look Boston Bruins team is going to continue to gel, and can they maintain this high level of play? That's going to be the other question that I will also ask as well. But only time will tell. Coming up next, the NFL draft is right around the corner. And this NFL draft has a lot of storylines. I'm going to share with you a couple of intriguing ones, plus why one particular team, their reality has changed or has it. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm talking about coming up next right after this PSA break right here on The Shoe with Shukri Writes on Pacifica Radio Network. And as a reminder, it is available on demand as part of the Shukri Writes podcast on iHeartRadio. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who, who got, got his first job, job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. Am too, am too. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. This is the city where danger lurks. Today, a new creature walks among us, causing fear, mayhem, and injury. Stay back, children. Mommy, I'm scared. Look out for the dreaded digital deadwalkers. They're not looking out for you. With faces pressed against their little handheld devices, they put all good citizens in harm's way. Hey, pal. Pardon you. The digital deadwalkers are multiplying. Until their behavior patterns can be modified, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons warns all innocent people to stay alert. Better yet, to step up and speak out. Oh, hey, dude. I'm walking here. Oh, I, sorry. I didn't see you. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who want to keep everyone well-connected with healthy bones.
Welcome back to the show with Shukri Rights on Pacifica Radio Network. Thank you for making this program part of your routine. Always appreciated. And here we are as we approach the end of April. It's always that time of year where things tend to get a bit fun, to say the least. And there's a bevy of events that are happening in sports all at once. You know, the good old Kentucky Derby that's approaching and the Stanley Cup playoffs under normal circumstances when there is no global pandemic going on. That's well underway. Um, the NBA playoffs is usually starting right about now. And then you have the good old NFL draft. You remember how last year, which there was, what, 55 million viewers who watched the NFL draft from home and wish that there was no sports at all. Now, I want to put, quickly put that into perspective because just to remind everyone how far we have come in a year's time. There was a time that last year there was no sports at all, none, zero. No baseball, no hockey, no basketball, nothing. Not even college sports was being played. And I remember how this country was so, it was so lustful for for sports. And it was absolutely, I mean, it was just, Gut-wrenching, entertaining, frustrating. Now, one would think, well, why why was it funny or entertaining? Because we had never gone through anything like this before. Where we go through stretches without sports. Sure, we've gone a few days or anything along those lines. But go months without sports of any sort. We saw this country in terms of sports fans at its bare at its bare form naked no sports and we all tuned in to the NFL draft like this was the last serving of the last supper that's the truth and there was nothing wrong with that so it's it's not a complaint but what i'm saying is that when you think about where we were from last year to the no sports to now, it's amazing. Now we about to ha- we are about to have the NFL draft in a little more than a week from now. And there are some storylines that I think that are absolutely intriguing and to look out for. And one of them is which I want to talk about Cal Pitts of Florida, of the Florida Gators. There have been rumors and discussions about Jerry Jones, should he or should he not go after Kyle Pitts and draft him in the first round for the Dallas Cowboys? When I first heard this, I I said to myself, man, if there was ever a time in which that the Dallas Cowboys got their priorities screwed up, this would be now. You're more concerned about drafting a tight end than addressing and fixing the problems that your defense had last year? This is the reason why I have said this time and time and time again that the Dallas Cowboys will never win a Super Bowl as long as Jerry Jones is the general manager. The Dallas Cowboys, to remind all you Cowboy fans out there across the country and across the world, they gave up the most points in franchise history in a single season. So 
I'm going to just start with that and, and end with that very point right there. That is a fact. Your priority is to draft a tight end to add another weapon to, to Dak Prescott. No disrespect to Dak Prescott. But why? Why do you feel the need to draft him? I'd like an answer, please. Because there's no denying his talents. I'm not sitting here saying that the man isn't talented. The man doesn't know doesn't know how to play the tight end position at a, on a physical level and as well as like how dominant he can be in a passing game and a blocking game and all that fun stuff. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you have bigger priorities, you need to figure out your pass rush. You need to figure out your defense, especially your secondary. Oh, this Cowboys secondary was putrid. I mean, putrid last season. And you're worrying about drafting a tight end in the first round. Sorry, son, but you got your priorities jacked up, son. That's a fact. So that to me blew my mind. I'm thinking to myself, can a Dallas Cowboys ever get out of their own way? Like, seriously? Come on. It's just absurd. Now, Second headline that I'm actually looking forward to seeing unfold. Trey Lance, where is he going to go? Because Trey Lance is one of the better quarterback prospects in this draft. Where does he go? That's going to be the big, big, big question on draft night. The Patriots, I heard they're looking for a quarterback. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe you should consider maybe trading up to go get him. That's one idea. I mean, another idea could be a team like the Atlanta Falcons. They draft their next guy. Maybe they go out and they get him. And Justin Fields falls in the draft. That could be another theory as well. But I sincerely wonder this very, very motion here. If you talk about Trey Lance and you talk about what he is capable of and what and what I think he could be at the NFL level. I think he could be in fact, I'm gonna go as far as to say this. I think he could be the next Patrick Mahomes, if you will. I'm gonna go out on a limb and, and let you know that right now. Because number one, the mobility amazing. His ability to throw accurately while on the move, amazing. Attributes that Patrick Mahomes can in fact do already except that i'm not sitting here saying that trey lance is patrick mahomes no can he be the next patrick mahomes absolutely and then the other question is do you think that a team like the 49ers who at this point i am sold that they are not bringing back jimmy garoppolo as a starting quarterback in 2021 there's no way like there has been so much reports and enough speculation already now that it's become crystal clear to Jimmy Garoppolo that, hey, bud, um, you're not wanted in San Francisco anymore. Kyle Shanahan doesn't want you anymore as his quarterback. They're looking to the draft and they're looking at free agency. And right now it's clear that they're looking at the draft. It wouldn't even surprise me if the Niners said, hey, you know what? Let's give Mac Jones the Alabama quarterback, a shot here at number two. Yes, it would not be beyond 
the crazy realm of possibility that, that Mac Jones gets drafted at number two to San Francisco. But it's also not out of the realm of possibility that Jones also falls to 15 to the New England Patriots. But I do think this, though. If you are an NFL team that is in need for a quarterback, a sneaky good pick, Trey Lance. But I don't think the Niners should go out and get him, honestly. They're better off drafting a guy like Justin Fields. They really are. You're not, like I said, you're not bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. The writing is on the wall. I don't think this team is going to bring him back. And for what? You expect him to, to show up after everything that you have done and said and put him through this offseason? Come on. That's not realistic. That's not real life. Now, the other headline that I am looking forward to for this upcoming NFL draft is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is is a lightning rod. He is a guy in which you look at and you say, he's got all the tools to be the next great quarterback in this in this league. That's what, that could win possibly, and I, I do mean possibly, multiple Super Bowl rings. But the question is, do quarterback-hungry teams feel that same way about him? That's going to be the big question for me. Now, I want to go out on a limb and say, because so much has been made about Trevor Lawrence's comments in his interview, and I say, really? The dude has been anointed as the next great quarterback since high school. Like, are we are we really going to, I mean, when I say we, I mean teams, are we really going to let his comments dictate whether if he's still worth being a first overall pick come on i think that in itself is absurd if that were to happen that he would have fallen the draft because he said something he said something that he honestly felt which isn't stupid let's not be ludicrous about this please like for goodness sakes can we all do him a favor fall back but in the age of social media where everything is instant reaction, you're going to have people that are like, well, hmm, maybe his heart is not really into football. Oh, really? What has his work and his work ethic shown you up until this point? That he's lazy? Can't say that he is. Same question can be posed to guys such as Justin Fields. To guys like Trey Lance, just as an example, that's that's really the big example that I have. Now, last part of this segment, I want to talk about one particular team that I think whose reality may or may not have changed with this upcoming draft. Who and what am I talking about? Let's have fun with this, shall we? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, yes, the Cleveland Browns. Because how long have we looked at the Cleveland Browns and said, gosh, I feel bad for that organization. I feel bad for its fans. They can't seem to figure anything out at all. And I look at this organization now and I say, I got news for you. 
folks, this is not the same Cleveland Browns of old in terms of being able to contend annually for a championship. My biggest question for the Cleveland Browns is, can you sustain the same level of excellence? Because the reality is this. You have to understand that this is a franchise that has been snake bitten for quite some time. They have. And I think that when you look back on what they have been and where they have come from to where they are currently now. This is a franchise in which that it seemed like every year they were looking to to hire a new head coach or to try to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. This is a franchise that had been in disarray for, for quite some time. And frankly, now they seem to be turning a corner. They have a head coach in place. They have a quarterback. Well, we'll see. The jury is still out there. But Baker Mayfield and as well as the Cleveland Browns, they seem to be in a new place where we're not looking to draft or draft our way out of football irrelevancy. We're in a position now that we can draft to build and add and complement this roster that that we have currently in Cleveland. I mean, the other day, they, they cut Sheldon Richardson, the former New York Jet, the defensive tackle, in which that it will save them $11 million. So they now have an additional $11 million to spend um, in, versus the cap. And, in fact, they have options. They have options in terms of who they can draft at number 26. For years, it was more of like, who are they going to draft? Who is their head coach? Who is their GM? They now seem to have that all figured out. And with this draft, I think it is is going to be very different. The circumstances are going to be very different. I mean, the roster was so littered with weaknesses. They didn't have a running back. They didn't have an offensive line. I mean, the offensive line wasn't very good. It wasn't very good outside of Joe Thomas. They didn't have a quarterback. And as I mentioned, they didn't have a, a head coach, let alone a general manager. Now, they have options. In fact, I think that if the Cleveland Browns are going to are, are going to make moves, one thing that general manager Andrew Berry has done is that he has done a marvelous job in turning the offensive line from being one of the worst in the NFL to one of the best in the NFL. He went out and signed Jack Conklin and as well as the emergence of Wyatt Teller into an all-pro right guard. You talk about an offensive line that went from being a weakness to being a strength. And then also they went out and they signed John Johnson III. Also, linebacker Anthony Walker, Takaris McKinley, defensive end, and the nickelback Troy Hill, and defensive tackle Malik Jackson. They're all going to be huge for the Cleveland Browns next season. So this draft, if anything, they can just say, hey, we're just going to take the best player available, whether if it's a defensive back or, or, or a secondary player or a pass rusher or a linebacker. They have options. 
They're not drafting for the sake of, well, we need major pieces. We, we're in a drafting out of a place of need. This roster is absolutely stacked. So the Cleveland Browns for however many years, I mean, for 20 years, you can say they were the laughing stock of the NFL. Now, you could say that their roster is one of the best in the AFC outside of the quarterback position. Because right now, and I will say this again, sorry, dog pound, that I'm not entirely sold on Baker Mayfield. I'm not entirely sold. Show me what you can do in 2021. Show me that you can do it consistently. Yes, I know Odell Beckham Jr. missed a large part of last season with injury. And Baker Mayfield played better without him offensively. The numbers don't lie. However, if you are the Cleveland Browns, what I'm saying is this. Your reality has changed so much in the last year plus that I wholeheartedly believe that this NFL draft is going to be a representation of this team is no longer in a dark place at all. This is a team that that absolutely needs to be taken seriously, especially in the AFC North. I know you got your Baltimore Ravens of the world. You got your Pittsburgh Steelers of the world. But Cleveland's there. Whether you hate them or like them, they're not going away. This is still a good team, and this is a team that's going to be building upon what they did last season and beating the Steelers in the wild card game before falling to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round, in the playoffs. So the Cleveland Browns, their reality has changed greatly. They're not drafting from a position of weakness, but rather a position of strength. And that makes the world of a difference in the NFL. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of The Shoe with Sugar Rights on Pacifica Radio Network. I enjoyed doing this show with you and talking good old sports. We talk Yankees. We talk Bruins, and we talk some NFL draft talk as well. I look forward to talking to you again next time. Take care and stay safe, everybody. And Ramadan Mubarak to all the Muslims observing the month of Ramadan. Bye-bye.